Hello, and welcome to Passing for Normal, where normal is shifting every day. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, and during this time of coronavirus uncertainty, sheltering at home, and social isolation, I'm bringing you a special series of helpful insights and practices from body-focused practitioners in order to keep you healthy, protected, and calm beyond face masks and hand sanitizer. Today, my guests are Priscilla Stanton Auchincloss and Beth Pettengill Riley, authors of the book, A Moving Inquiry, The Art of Personal Practice. Each one of them has vast experience as somatic educators in yoga, in dance, and in the fluid practice of continuum. And today, we're going to talk about how to start a personal practice now when you need it the most. Welcome, Beth and Priscilla. Thank you so much, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. I'm so glad that you're here, uh, able to uh, talk to me and help our listeners understand what it is to have a personal practice, to build a personal practice. You know, some people, as they're sheltering, feel like they have a lot of time on their hands. Some people feel like they um, are overwhelmed by all of the online necessity or all the family needs that that are occupying them, as well as, um, you know, some people already have a practice. Some people have never had a practice. So I'd like to talk about all of it in terms of how to get started right now. So, so one of the things, you know, when Priscilla and I were, were talking about how we wanted to frame the conversation, it was a really about, um, this is Beth talking, mm -hmm. uh, the, setting the stage for a practice. So it actually is something that you can decide to engage in and then really create an environment in your home, which is a little challenging right now because our home and our work and everything's sort of blended. Mm -hmm. So to really find the time and space almost to have um, a place, like even if it's just a corner where you lay out a blanket that you pass by three days in a row and you realize you had this intention to lie on the floor in the corner on this blanket and that sets the intention, you have a stage ready to go. So that's the first is making a decision and creating and carving out the space. I think that's what we start with in the book anyway, for sure. Right, and your book is wonderful because it is, um, it's very succinct and very poetic at the same time and really leads people through a step-by-step a -step or week-by-week -week way in which you can learn how to be with yourself. I mean, that's what, I mean, what is a personal practice really, but a way to be with yourself. So let's talk a little bit more about what is a practice when we talk about a personal practice. Yeah, we thought about that. This is Priscilla a lot um, at the when we were as we were writing the book that that question came up a lot and we devoted certain sections of the book to it. Um, the first thing that, you know, comes to mind is, well, whatever does come to your mind with practice. Mm -hmm. And first for for me. It's always this concept of, of discipline mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and getting all the pencils in a straight line and, and something about cracking the whip and, <laughs> and <laughs> stuff like that. 
and and gradually over time it's really been able to evolve more organically and of course the book was a was a was a way to talk about practice in a very very different way um as we had both experienced um for many years with continuum practice um so yeah that's just to lay out what what practice is not um and maybe right. then and we can uh, i love the you know the word discipline it come it's the same root as disciple which really means to be in service to something and i i like to think of discipline as being in service to something that you love or something that you desire or something that you want and the willingness to stay the course because of your desired outcome. And one of the things I will add just to that is what we both experienced um, through Continuum is how the feeling of nourishment that comes from actually having a relationship with yourself that's based on your own fluidity and your long-standing history of life on earth as a human being that feels so good, you just want to do it again. And it, then it, it goes from d discipline, and as Bonnie wrote about, Bonnie Gintis wrote about in her book, to devotion, and you can't wait to do it. So that's part of the um, traction. Getting traction is, is really following what feels good inside. So you're really nurturing your own uh, value system about what is this practice doing for me? Right. And so I'd like to... Yeah, I'd just like to say that that it comes to um, doing something again and again and again. Um, as you say, there's some outcome or some vision that uh, this, whatever it is you're doing, relates to that is good, that makes you willing to do it again and it's a you know as Bess is saying a, a goodness that you feel um so there is something that draws you along at the same time that you're willing to keep doing it mm -hmm. yeah so right now people are home um some people are feeling anxious about the uncertainty um of everything basically everything uh, people are feeling stressed uh, either because they've lost their jobs or their job has to take place in a different way. Um, people are uh, agitated in certain ways. And it is, a t you know, it is, now's the time. I mean, some people also say, oh, I've always meant to have a meditation practice or I've always meant to have a movement practice and wishing that maybe they had already started. And so why is now the time to start so the, the the place that we can most directly affect our state of being no matter when it is is in our breath and i had a doctor friend call me yesterday and he said i can't breathe you have to tell me what to do and i i said okay so just exhale completely and within three breaths, he was already feeling like his nervous system was coming into some degree of regulation. And then it was, he could feel himself on the ground, but sometimes it's just interrupting the status quo of what we do under stress, which we're all experiencing now. 
-hmm. and how to interrupt the cascade of neurological patterns that have you know historically been engaged throughout our lives can we interrupt what might be our kind of default mechanism and actually become more resilient in the in the process of living through this and really thriving if possible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's really true that um it's really you know survival is maybe the first thing people are thinking of but but this as a stepping stone to actually a more meaningful and fulfilling experience of life um, is is the true offering of this time it, it's important to notice that the coronavirus has and other people have said this it's 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 pushed us along a course that we are already on and you know, social distancing, well, greater disembodiment um, is something that we all know was already happening. So the time is always now, the body is always present um, to push back against that, to address that, to, to choose to notice your breath or how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And to interface really with the, the lungs themselves. I think this is, you know, one mm -hmm. of the things about this particular um, virus is that it, it, it really compromises the lungs. And we can actually do a lot through our breath work and our sound work that we practice in continuum to really enhance the, the, the responsiveness of the lungs themselves. I mean, mm -hmm. really on a, mm -hmm. on a very practical level. So that's another kind of more practical reason to do it now, particularly with this virus. Right. So working with your breath um, allows a protection for your lungs, allows a resiliency in your lungs, allows the breath to move. Or like you were talking about your friend who called you, you know, suddenly I'm in a panic or suddenly my breath is arrested and I need to be able to shift the scene, right? Working with the breath is the fastest way to shift our scene emotionally or physically. Mm -hmm. So let's make a distinction, um, if you would, please, between a somatic practice like continuum and a mindfulness practice, a meditation practice. Um, what is the distinction or is there a distinction? So, um, so I've, I've, I've actually been teaching mindfulness in the schools for about 10 years and find that Mm, the longer I, I work with them, the more readily they're um, responsive to the somatic uh, markers that they can feel. So in a way, I feel like the mindfulness practice, which is an awareness practice, and keep coming back to the present moment, it's related to the somatic practices because it's so much what we sense through our bodies that we're coming into the present moment through. So we sense through our bodies this feeling of, of gravity moving through the bones. We sense that is happening now, and that um, actually brings us out of um, the fight or flight response into a little bit more um, em embodied, uh, full-fleshed response to what's actually happening and what kind of um, creativity we have available to us. 
So mm -hmm. I, I think they're related, but different. Mm -hmm. I've heard mindfulness described as paying attention to your attention. And in this case, in a somatic practice, you're attending to sensation in the body. And it's this attitude of curiosity. And um, it's a, it's a, it's a gentle attention. It's a loving attention. Um, and um, the you're allowing the sensations to guide your movement, mm -hmm. which is different than deciding that you're going to do a particular movement or following a particular rhythm or something like that. And yes, and in that creative curiosity of what's happening on the sensation level, through your participation with that, something new can arise that you never expected before. So there's a, like an intimacy with your own experience, a closeness to your own experience that is really unique about somatic practices. So the word embodiment is used a lot these days. And so where does that where does that word fall in this distinction? What is it to be embodied or to have an embodiment practice? Such an well, important I think, question. Mm -hmm, Go yeah. ahead, Priscilla. <laughs> Such an important question. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a mystery word. Um, I mean, because it's a word in our culture because we're so far from That's living right. in an embodied way. That's why we have um, to have that word because right, right, <laughs> we're because not yet. At, at least we have some idea mm -hmm. of, of what it what it could have been. Um, so um, I, I think embodiment is occurring actually in this process of a listening or a tuning to something very silent um, within one's own physical being. And um, uh, it's there, but it's, it's silent. And, um, and so it comes across as a feeling, as a feeling, a physical feeling. That's where I'd begin. Right, if so you can a, try. <laughs> I was going to say, so an example yeah. of disembodiment could be, you know, me on my cell phone and, you know, me sort of putting my attention onto the screen and not having any sense of, of my own sensations in my body as I'm working on my cell phone, right? Or as I'm working on my computer and a way that I might be embodied as I'm doing those activities is I feel my, I feel myself sitting on the chair. I feel the weight. I feel my breath. I feel the, you know, whatever tension is happening, you know, up in my forehead. Right. So mm -hmm. a way of participating with my sensations in an activity that I might not necessarily, um, that might pull my attention away. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I would also add that moving your body is not being embodied. 
So that, but sometimes people think if I'm moving my body, I'm doing an embodiment practice, or if I close my eyes, I'm doing a somatic practice. When in fact, it's really um, turning up the volume of the language of your body itself so that you can respond to the communication that's coming 24 seven from our body and learn how to translate that into meaningful um, action. I mean, it comes right from your body and it's not through the, it, it, it partners with your mind, but if you can learn to dis, you know, keep the, the body's language and the mental interpretations of what's happening a little bit separate, it, it tends to help. So, yeah. So maybe mm -hmm. we could, uh, maybe you could take our listeners into a, an exercise a way in which they might experience what's being talked about here or experience um, how to begin to, um, to start a practice in this way. Yeah, so in, in, a, in the Moving Inquiry book, we've covered a lot of different ways you could enter into a practice. And I would say, you know, the simplest way, as I mentioned earlier, this is Beth again, um, is with your breath. So mm -hmm. if we just take a moment to settle into the feeling that we're all having as we're listening, whether people are walking or driving or wherever the listener is, just to feel your body now in this moment against the surface that you're walking or sitting on, and just let the, the sensation of gravity move through your bones a little bit. And then begin to feel the inhalation, the movement of inhalation and the movement of exhalation. Simple, easy, like the tides rushing into the, the beach and coming back. Breath is constant, just feeling how the, the tide of your breath is touching the inner surfaces of your body. And then if it's comfortable, just bringing your hand to a breastbone, to your breastbone, Feel the breath under your hand. And then to amplify the attention towards the inner landscape, to add a little sound, a little audible sound on your exhale. And so if we just take the sound of M, so you're taking a full breath in, and then you're exhaling with a humming sound like you can feel the vibration under your hand and you could just add a tiny little bit of sway to that movement yeah, so you just get a gentle um, moving across most of our time we're moving forward or back in life and just to, to alter the habit of moving forward or backwards just to feel this quality of something new if you take it sideways and then just softly coming back to the present moment where you can feel what's the difference this is where the curiosity piece comes in what's the difference even in that simple inquiry breath, sound, and simple movement. And the movement is really 
based on the movement of water, which continuum is devoted to. It's the movement of water we carry within us. Always available, always ready to partner with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just following your instruction there, I feel very relaxed and I feel uh, softened, that my edges are softer and um, more at peace. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, thank you. I wanted to, wanted to just um, sort of repeat that word gentle that Beth used. Um, there's something uh, important about gentleness in approaching the body in an inquisitive um, way uh, that creates a kind of a, a different path or even a, a different way of being in the in this time yeah I want to bring in the word patience um, talk about patience and impatience because a lot of people are experiencing enormous amounts of impatience in response to uncertainty. When will this be done? When will I be able to go out? But also in terms of beginning a practice, beginning a way in which I do this kind of inquiry on a regular basis. How do I have patience with myself in beginning to do anything every day? Patience is a, a, a historically challenging word mm -hmm. for many of us. Yes. Depending mm -hmm. upon what our, our religious backgrounds have been. <laughs> but I, I like... I like the invitation that the word brings. So patience becomes an action, not a, a quality. So it's an, the, pa the patience, patience as an action is making room for something and holding that, holding that space as sacred. So, you know, we're making room as a human species right now <laughs> for something new to happen. We're in this great adaptation and we, we can't possibly know how it's going to be unfolding, whether it's our individual lives or collectively. So how do we, how do we create, again, going back to that opening um, concept of the stage, how do we create a space that the space itself brings us some kind of comfort? and some kind of um, commitment to, like you said, Sharon, staying the course, no matter what unfolds, and something of value. So one of the things about the book, too, and then I want to hear what Priscilla has to say, is the writing piece that we pre present in the book is so invitational. Mm -hmm. And it's a way that I find keeping a sense of commitment is I'll write after I do my movement practice, and then I'll go back to it the next day and see what happened and, and go, oh, that was cool. I can do something different today. So just to, to know mm -hmm. that the writing helps to develop that patience. Mm -hmm. And continuity. Um, 
the writing helps with continuity, as you've described. As you, as we spoke about patience, uh, to me, it was leading me back to the 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 question about practice itself, um, because a practice you practice because you don't know how to do something. You have to practice, and and because you don't know, and you're learning, you it's going to take time. Um, as they say, good things in life take time. Um, so there, and there's also this element of trust. So there's some way with the commitment that you're trusting the the positive outcome and i think thankfully a practice of something good does give you feedback that yes you're on the right track um you begin to see how it's playing out not just when you're practicing but in other aspects of your life and something in you especially with this kind of practice is calmer and um uh, is helpful is helpful in other areas of your life, your interactions with other people, um, how you are meeting um, the outer world if you are going to a job which I am um, so right and this sort of this sort of uh, practice that we 're speaking of um, helps helps me be more fluid, helps me be more adaptable, helps me be more uh, tolerant, perhaps, or just plain interested rather than jumping to, a, to um, assumptions about what something is when I experience these quick changes in, our, um, in our, the necessity of our environment right now. Yeah, and the other thing, thank you. The other thing that I want to just mention, and I read this somewhere, and Priscilla and I were talking about this the other day, is that some of us have found with the change that we're undergoing at such rapid speed that we, we numb out, we become numb. Mm -hmm. And so for some degree of um, numbness, the opposite is often the remedy. So the opposite of the word anesthetic which numbs is aesthetic so to have this sense of aesthetic valuing of your own movement sensation experience being able to see beauty being able to to land aesthetically in a moment that is moving starts to thaw some of the ways that we're freezing in response to this and i think it's really important to recognize the power of aesthetic input and awe that we feel as part of the cure for where we are. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So mm -hmm. practical question in beginning a practice of any sort, right? A musical practice, a movement practice, a meditation practice. Um, what's enough time? How frequently? What, what, how do, you know, do I start slowly? Do I jump off and, you know, is it an hour a day? Is it 10 minutes a day? Is it every day? Is it not every day? What's the, what's the best way for me to enter these waters? Well, the answer is, of course, it depends. 
um, it depends on your circumstances, what your life allows, what, you're, what you need. I would imagine some people need more movement and more activity. Unfortunately, there are some aspects of continuum practice that are more invigorating. And some people need more of this calming or just lying on the floor and getting that sensation of gravity through the whole body. Um, I think regularity in, in my, I, yeah, I think this is going to depend a lot on who you ask. In my uh, circumstances now, there are just a few things that I do almost every morning, and one of them is because I have a dog to take outside. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I do spend some time with movement, um, and uh, so it's the regularity, not so much the actual duration. It be, I guess over time it's taken, it's um, acquired a certain duration, but it really isn't that lengthy. It's usually under a half hour. Maybe Beth has something to, uh, to say. Yeah, what, what I usually tell people is, is like, do what you can, and, and so make it doable. And even if you have five minutes, if you lay down on the floor, and you decide you're going to lay down on the floor for five minutes, inevitably it becomes 15 because <laughs> just laying on the floor feels so good yeah. and taking a deep breath. So once you start to, to get that habit and the regularity, as Priscilla was saying, that, okay, I'm, I, I'm just going to lay on the floor. And then the other thing I said is shake water. No, what is <laughs> add water and stir. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so mm -hmm. little practical first aid tips like that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, when I think about my writing, you know, I, I like to think about creating a rhythm for my writing, like a daily rhythm or a, some, rather than thinking of it as a schedule, because a schedule mm -hmm. feels like a have to, it feels like a requirement, but a rhythm seems to come more innately. And I think what you're both talking about is finding a rhythm that works for you, a, t a particular time of day. Is it important that, it, that we do a practice at the same time every day? This is a question. I don't think so myself, because I know different points of the day, I need different things. So I need a wake up movement, I need afternoon, perk up. I need a restorative kind of experience in the evening. But um, honoring your body's and empowering your body's voice as the, mm -hmm. as the leader is, yeah. is key. But and creating and I, would, I was just reiterating what you were saying, Priscilla, before about creating some sort of consistency, some sort of regular visiting takes you far. And right. And I think First of all, there's a, the word intentionality, intention, um, is a lovely thing to begin to cultivate in oneself, that you can intend to lie on the floor and then do it and then be there and let the time extend if you can. Um, and the other aspect I would love to bring in is 
to honor your own choices, that this is not something that comes from outside, that somebody said you should do this particular thing or in this particular way, unless that happens to be the teacher you love and trust at the moment, um, who's taking you to the next step. There's, there's certain things that you can invent for yourself and they're your things. Mm-hmm. I, I have a little thing where I'm at work and I lie down on, in one of these booth benches for it's seven minutes and 15 seconds. I set a timer. That little time of closing my eyes um, and resting on my back uh, revives me for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's very odd. <laughs> but it works. Yeah, whatever works. That's part of the guiding principle, right? Whatever works. It's your personal practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, um, so much of what we've been talking about is in your wonderful book called A Moving Inquiry, The Art of Personal Practice. And um, listeners can begin by learning how to set the scene set the stage for, for having a practice. And so, um, so uh, in, in wrapping up here, which I'm sorry we have to wrap up, but I wrap, in wrapping up, um, just say one thing about how to, how to set the stage, how to begin right now. If, some, if a listener were to finish this interview and then want to begin, what's the first thing they might do? Get down on all fours. Get down on all fours and move. Mm -hmm. Move. Something like Mm -hmm. that immediate, you know? Mm -hmm. I always think of having a timer or a timepiece, you know, because because I feel like that holds a space of time. Mm -hmm. And if... You can almost do anything for 15 minutes um, or if you just have five, you know, but let the timer hold the time for you so that you don't have to be worrying about that. That's just an ingredient that I would add. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a illuminating and a wonderful conversation. So Beth, would you start first and tell uh, listeners how they can get in touch with you, how they can learn more about you, work with you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm located in Santa Cruz, California, but um, that doesn't make a difference now because most of the things we're offering are online. So um, I have a website, uh, The Moving Well, all one word, themovingwell.com, and I'm starting up a new series of classes um, pretty soon. So love to have all of you present. You can find out more at that website and also follow me on Facebook. And um, those are probably the best ways. So thank you. Fantastic. And Priscilla? Um, I don't really have a website and I'm not on Facebook much. So I guess it's really just email for me if someone would like to get in touch with me. Priscilla.Auchincloss at gmail.com. 
can people also find you through the Continuum Teacher Association website? Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. You absolutely can. And that may be the easiest thing to remember. Mm -hmm. ContinuumTeachers.com. Right. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you both. What a incredible resource each of you are and that you've put that you've put your um your understanding together to create this book and to create these conversations is truly a rich resource so thank you thank you so much sharon and priscilla too for making the time yes thank you sharon um for all that you have really contributed to this conversation as well and thank you beth always this has been passing for normal conversations about change if you like our podcast please leave a review on itunes or soundcloud it helps our audience to grow to find out more about author sharon weil go to sharonweilauthor.com you can also find out more about the changeability books and about all the guests featured in this podcast at that website large or small go out today and make a brave change Dare to bring new ideas forward. Our world needs you right now.